Detroit Today is supported by Michigan School of Psychology in Farmington Hills, educating psychologists today who will transform our world tomorrow. Learn more at msp.edu. Good day and welcome to Detroit Today. I'm 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Just another reminder that if you are interested in listening to the confirmation hearings for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, you can do that at our website, WDET.org. There's a link there where you can listen in to the questioning that will take place uh, by the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee today of Judge Jackson. Uh, also tomorrow, we're going to have Barb McQuaid, uh, our former U.S. attorney here in Southeast Michigan and a current professor at the University of Michigan Law School here with us to talk about what we hear today when uh, the questioning gets started in those confirmation hearings. So again, WDET.org to listen in. When you think about the health insurance system in this country, I think it's kind of hard to come up with anybody who thinks it's working perfectly. Employers don't like having to pay for their employees' health care. And as employees, we often don't like the high costs that get passed on to us by our employers. And that's not even to take into account folks like the unemployed and the precariously employed who often just don't have any health insurance at all. There's still millions and millions of people in this country who are uncovered. Now, that's really different from most other developed countries. Almost every country in the West, in fact, has at least a universally covered health care system. But here in the U.S., we have this patchwork of plans and systems that, in total, we spend more on than any other developed nation, but we don't get the same kinds of results. And yet, there are a lot of influential and powerful people who advocate against the idea of a single-payer healthcare system, the kind of thing that would solve so many of the problems, so many of the gaps that we have in the system that we all live with. For a lot of years, the American Medical Association has been one of those players who have been pushing back against the idea of switching to a single-payer system, helping to wreck Harry Truman's 1950s universal health care bill that otherwise had majority support from Americans. That's where it started. But in recent years, the association has been showing signs that it may be ready to change its tune. To talk more about this with us is Dr. Clifford Marks. He's an emergency medicine resident at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and author of a new piece in The New Yorker titled Inside the American Medical Association's Fight Over Single-Payer Health Care. Dr. Marks, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. So in 2019, the American Medical Association almost voted to end its explicit opposition to single-payer health care, and it lost by just 38 votes. Talk about what went into that uh, organizing that led to that vote, and who were the supporters of ending this stance? 
Yeah. Um, so I think what's something that's very interesting about the American Medical Association is it, it is actually relatively uh, small D democratic. Um, the uh, the policy uh, of the association is is set by a vote of a House of Delegates, which is uh, a little over 600 people. And they're they're elected both from uh, both to represent uh, state medical associations and to represent specialties. Um, so in a in, in a weird way, it's sort of you have uh, uh, kind of a, kind of a version of the U.S. Congress where uh, where you know you're sort of representing states, but then you also have this uh, this kind of confederation of specialties. Um, and so what you sort of found in sort of who who was sort of generally supporting it is uh, both both you had this kind of overlay of the U.S. political map where, you know, you had more support from states in New England or from California mm-hmm. and more opposition uh, um, or, or sort of more 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 support for the traditional anti single payer stance. Uh, from southern states, from from the Texas Medical Association, for for instance, but then you also kind of have uh, uh, kind of the politics of medical specialties, where um, you know you sort of generally had more support from from pediatrics and, and internal medicine, um, uh, and more opposition uh, in general from uh, uh, surgical subspecialties. You know, more more like uh, more more like orthopedic surgery. Um, but but the people who were sort of most uh, kind of driving this were the youngest people uh, in, in the American Medical Association. Mm-hmm. So the, the medical students, the residents, and the, and the young physician section. And a lot of the organizing, interestingly, is done by the, the, uh, the medical students um, who, who, you know, do really have a voice in, in the American Medical Association and have... Uh, I think been very influential in in pushing uh, progressive policies, not 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 just single payer, but but I think very importantly single payer um, within the within the organization, particularly in the last decade. Um, so the you know this is this is back in pre-COVID times where uh, you know large conferences uh, were were still happening in person, um, uh, and. You know, there's there's a lot of politicking that that goes on at at uh, at the American Medical Association uh, meetings, yeah. and so there's a lot of buttonholing of delegates <clears throat> and you know really trying to sound out what the support is. Um, but I think even the you know the the medical students who were sort of most invested in organizing around this really weren't 100 percent sure going into it, um, going into this vote, what what the outcome was going to be. I mean, they were really as you mentioned, uh, you know, the AMA has been a, an incredibly powerful force in the past, um, you know, in, in, in opposition to single payer and, and, you know, really kind of the single biggest reason why, uh, why it didn't pass in the, in the late forties and early fifties when, when it would have been cheap to do it. And, um, you know, before an explosion in, in healthcare costs, yeah. So- uh, Yes. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about the opposition to single payer, and I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. that you know that there's a demographic 
difference kind of unfolding at the AMA, that that, that younger people uh, seem to be more open to the idea of a single-payer mm-hmm. system than than perhaps some some older people does does that um, does that explain this this transformation in whole and or does it or does it uh, does it dovetail I guess with what I think most of us who are experiencing the health system in this country might describe as the collapse of the current system in other words the problems that we have now even after Obamacare, uh, are so much more pronounced, I think, in people's lives. The money that people are spending, the care that seems out of reach. Uh, is, is that kind of uh, a, a, a co-inspiration, I guess, for this change among young doctors? That, that you know, they're also seeing a system that looks really different than what people... 20 or 30 years older than from from them have have experienced over their lifetime yeah no i i think that i, I think that uh plays a plays a huge role i i, I think in in, in in a couple really important ways i mean one is uh you know as physicians we see regularly the the, the failures of the current system um you know patients who can't get the medication they need you know, because it's not covered by insurance, because they can't get pre-authorizations for it. Um, you know, patients who uh, can't afford or can't can't really get into uh, preventative care, and so you know, this is particularly in my line of emergency medicine. We see patients end up in the emergency room all the time for conditions that you know, if 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 only they were sort of well plugged into the to the kind of primary care and preventative medicine system. No, you know, they probably could have avoided that and wouldn't wouldn't mm-hmm. have both the both the hospital bills and and you know in, in some more important ways all the the, the suffering um, that that goes with that. But then, in sort of a you know a, kind of a, another side of this is that um, you know physicians who are thirty and forty years older are much more likely uh, than physicians graduating today uh, to own their own practices. Um, uh, you know, the majority of physicians who leave residency today end up employed by a by a physician group or, or, or a hospital. Um, they're way more likely to be employees than employers, mm-hmm. um, and I think that does uh, really strongly change uh, kind of the the political outlook of of people who are graduating today. What they the the physician you know the physicians back in Harry Truman's time. They were small business owners. They didn't have a lot of other forces to deal with in, in healthcare. I mean, there 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 was an insurance industry, there was a pharma industry, but it, it you know comparatively less powerful. And physicians today, uh, you know, they have to deal with with a mammoth pharma industry, a, a, a you know a hospital industry, a um, uh, a, um, a uh, insurance industry, and they have to sort of navigate all these other things. And I think, by comparison, um, you know, uh, government uh, government or inter- intervention suddenly looks looks uh, you know considerably more palatable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you the when when you have to slog through pre authorizations, uh, suddenly single payer healthcare, I, I think, uh, seems seems a lot more appealing. Um, and, and so I think 
I think just sort of where where physicians sort of sit now in the in the uh, healthcare economic order, I think has really influenced um, kind of what their what 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 younger physicians kind of view as a as kind of a sort of more practical way of of doing medicine. Yeah, I'm talking with Dr. Clifford Marks. He's an emergency medicine resident at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, also a former journalist. Uh, we're talking about a pretty big medical institution, the American Medical Association, uh, which has been against universal health care coverage for a really long time and a very close vote just a few years ago where uh, the association almost changed its mind about that and started to embrace the idea of a single-payer approach to healthcare in this country, one that would look more like developed countries uh, around the world. Uh, we want to hear from you during this conversation as well. Give us a call and let us know how satisfied you are with the health care that you have. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And what kind of health care system would you want if you could create one for our country? Um, do you think a universal health care system would uh, would be better, one that was single-payer or maybe even otherwise financed, but uh, making sure that there was health care for everybody, not just emergency health care, but preventative care and all of the other things? Uh, or are you somebody who wants to lean more into the idea of market-based medicine that uh, you believe that uh, free enterprise is the way to create the, the, the level of medical care that we have and uh, try to make sure that more people have it. As always, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we can try to include you in the show that way. Let's start with uh, Dr. Peter Orris. He's a doctor in Illinois calling in. Uh, Dr. Orris, what's on your mind? Uh, good morning. Can you hear me? I, I sure can. Go ahead. Great. First, I want to salute Dr. Marks for the excellent article and also for his statements this morning, which are uh, really quite accurate uh, as to uh, the shifting of thinking of practicing physicians and the frustration with the insurance industry that you know, is designed to make a profit uh, for their shareholders. Mm. Uh, I'm one of the uh, physicians at the other end of the spectrum, uh, having practiced uh, here at County Hospital in Chicago for uh, 35 years uh, in general internal medicine and occupational medicine. I'm professor of both at Rush and University of Illinois. And having said that, I've been a supporter of single payer for a number of years uh, and a 40-year member of the AMA. Uh, and uh, I think the uh, perception that uh, thinking is changing, especially amongst younger physicians, and much of that is generated by the fact that physicians now have to be in general on salary uh, to one or another large institution that rarely is responsive to the uh, quality hmm. uh, concerns of the individual doctor who's in the direct relation with the patient. Um, having said that, your statements are a bit of an overstatement about where we're at within the AMA itself, and that is this resolution is not, or was not, 
in favor of single-payer. We're doing much better with those resolutions. Uh, they are increasing their minority support in the 20s and 20% uh, to 30%. But the resolution that uh, was narrowly uh, defeated at the AMA uh, that you're referring to and in our state medical society here was a resolution just for neutrality in analysis. Prior to this point, all of the suggestions about what changes should be made in healthcare uh, would be analyzed by the AMA, but they would deliberately exclude single payer a priori. Uh, that's a real problem. So we're now asking for just a level playing field so that physicians in general can compare mm. uh, the issues between the two. And then the second thing is, though, a more positive statement, and that is the AMA is uh, on record for the last uh, 20 years of being for universal health care. The question is, how do you provide that health care to the general population? Sure. And those of us in physicians for a national health program think the only way to do it is single payer. The AMA disagrees on that. Yeah. But they're moving on this and other issues. Yeah, Dr. Orris, I really appreciate you calling in and uh, and sharing that perspective. Uh, Dr. Marks, I want to give you a chance to respond and maybe push back against what uh, some of what Dr. Orris is saying there. No, I, uh, so Dr. Orris, thanks, thanks for calling. I, I, I think he's I, I think he's completely right. I, I, I do think it, he he's he's 100 right, and I I I. I you know, hopefully, ho- hopefully didn't didn't overstate the state the mark. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 resolution was to remove opposition to to single payer. Right. Um, it was not to it was not to sort of wholeheartedly endorse it. Um, that's he's he's 100 right on that. Um. Uh. And and I think he's I think he's also right that you know. Uh, Supporting universal health care is is one thing. How you how you get there is is very important. Um, and it's it's important part, partly because um, you know uh, if you if you want to make it affordable, um, one of the ways to do that is to allow the uh, the the like a single payer entity, you know, presumably the federal government, to have some power in, in setting pricing. Um, that sort of makes it so that it's it's uh, you know, potentially uh, affordable for the for, for the federal government to do the the downside for from a physician perspective and from from other players in the in the healthcare space is that that means that there's potential that their reimbursements would drop, and that that in a way is kind of the the, the economic fight surrounding that. So I, I think he's 100 percent right that uh, you know it's 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 all well and good to say that you support. Uh, universal coverage. How, how you get there is really important, and, and, and I think it's a really important question as to, you know, whether whether there is a possibility in the future the American Medical Association um, would sort of actually come over to this camp. We're we're, we're certainly not there now, but um, but things have have moved considerably moving. in that direction. Right. Sure. Okay, coming up, we're going to continue this conversation about universal health care coverage, why the American Medical Association has been against it, and how the organization may be changing its tune. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social media. Terry in Detroit, Anthony in southwest Detroit, uh, stay put. We will get to you next. If you want to join them, 
313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Right today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Talking with Dr. Clifford Marks. He's an emergency medicine resident at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, also a former uh, journalist. Uh, he's written a piece uh, in The New Yorker about the idea that the American Medical Association could be ready to change its mind, ready to think a little differently about the idea of a single-payer approach to Healthcare in this country. The piece is titled Inside the American Medical Association's Fight Over Single Payer Healthcare. We're talking about this idea that uh, the, the, one of the most prominent groups of physicians in this country has been against the idea of single payer at least since the 1950s. Uh, and the idea that maybe, maybe they're changing their mind. We want to hear what you think of. The idea of a single-payer uh, system here in the United States, uh, universal coverage. Um, what do you think of the healthcare that you have right now? How do you find uh, the healthcare system that we operate under, uh, where most of most of us count on our employers really to carry most of the costs of our healthcare? We end up paying uh, a pretty hefty premium as well. Is there a better way to think about all of these things, and would it lead? to better outcomes? Would it lead to us not only spending the most on healthcare in the world, but also getting the best results, which we don't? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, and we'll work you into the conversation. You can go to Twitter as well. Uh, Big Neo on Twitter writes, there is a way, but we need to have the will to have universal health care. I pay almost $600 a month for a family plan with Blue Care Network. I'd gladly switch that to sixty that $600 to taxes so that all Americans can have the level of coverage that my family currently has. That's a really interesting idea. But Josie on Twitter um, writes, uh, from opposing membership for black physicians to edging out midwifery so that they can monopolize obstetrics, the AMA is such a problematic organization. Uh, Josie pointing to a number of other policy issues that uh, I think are a little puzzling about uh, such a large group of physicians. And then Glenn on Twitter writes, we in the United States conflate universal health care and single-payer financing of health care. Universal health care is provided in many of our peer nations by means other than single-payer, including Germany, Japan, Australia, and Switzerland. I think that's a really important point, Dr. Marks. Um, talk about that distinction and how that plays out in the AMA, uh, the idea of universal coverage, and then how we pay for it. Uh, single payer is one approach, but you could have a universal system that looks different. Yeah, I, I, he's, uh, um, he's, he's absolutely right. The, there's, there, there's more than one way to get to universal health care. Um, uh, you know, some, of the, some of the systems you mentioned, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not intimately familiar with, with, with the details of everyone, but but 
Germany, for instance, does sort of have a hybrid system uh, where uh, um, you know it's it's it, it's kind of like it's government it's government finance uh, for uh, for lower income Germans, but um, you know uh, it, it it's sort of more um, uh, private private uh, insurance base for for others. But the government still has a role there in in uh, um, strongly limiting the the amount of uh, kind of out of pocket costs that uh, that uh, Germans face. So while there's there's more than one way to to get to universal health care, but I, I think what's really important from a patient perspective is uh, do you have a system that uh, where you know people can uh, face such astronomical charges that they mm-hmm. uh, that they go bankrupt, or or can they simply not afford the care at all? So um, you know, I, I think I think what people find appealing about single payers is is, is honestly its simplicity, um, and and the fact that it sort of allows the, the the government to really sort of exert some control over prices, and prices are really uh, you know particularly in the, in the U.S. health healthcare system uh, kind of really one of the primary culprits being, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at why we pay so much more here than other, than other countries. So, yeah. um, I, I totally agree that single payer is not the only way to, to, to address that. Um, but, uh, but, 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 but I do think there's a difference in a universal healthcare system where, uh, people sort of have a theoretical access mm-hmm. to high quality healthcare and a universal healthcare system where, uh, you know, um, Incumbents really, really isn't it isn't a barrier to, to sure. accessing high quality care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Anthony in Southwest Detroit, you're up next. What's on your mind? Good morning, Stephen. Um, hey. I just think you know, at the heart of it, I never knew the role the AMA played in all this, but you know, I think of it as a political question, really. And to be honest, you know, uh, with politicians, there's really they, they, they either support it or they don't, you know, and that's what we have based on their statements, their track record. Mm-hmm. But but uh, even for those who support it, you know, I, I don't even get the sense that uh, they're actively building support for it. And I really think that comes down to that this issue. It's never really been a campaign issue except for the 2016-2020 Bernie Sanders campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's really no discipline in our electorate or media for making this an issue. And you know, I've, I've just had some observations from some of our, you know, foreign uh, Michigan politicians, you know, at their, in, in the Democratic Party, which endorses this idea in their platform as a couple of years ago. And a couple of them, you know, some of them support it, some of them don't. But when you look deeper into the details, uh, you might question whether any of them really do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly hasn't been a priority for leadership, right? Uh, and that's how, in the political context, you might get something like this done if uh, if Speaker Pelosi um, or the the Senate Majority Leader might say, "Hey, um, we we want to get this done." Then then you could see political movement. I think on on something like this. I still I still believe that um, even within the Democratic Party, you have far too many people who are not enthusiastic about this uh, in order for that to happen. I mean, you, you you do need to be able 
to get, you know, we've got to convince people uh, that this is this is the right direction to go in order to, to support it politically. Um, Dr. Marks, I wonder if you can talk a little about the relationship between what something like the AMA thinks about this is to politics. If the AMA were to come out and say, hey, universal coverage, single payer, that's the best approach to this how much influence would it have over that political conversation? Would it give people cover? Would it uh, would it inspire more people to come out and say, "I agree with the AMA, and we ought to do this"? I, I, I think it's a really interesting question. I, I, you know, sort of one of the one of the things I mentioned earlier is that you know, physicians are no longer kind of the only. Uh, Political force in in the healthcare industry. Um, so, so so I do think the, you know the the AMA's cloud is not what it was uh, you know in in the late 40s and and, and early 50s when they when they really were able to to um, uh, be the be the prime mover in in, in um, ensuring that uh, Harry Truman's plan didn't pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still. Spend plenty of money on lobbying. They are still, you know, the largest professional organization of um, uh, of, of physicians. So, you know, their they their their voice does carry weight. Um, you know, they uh, they came out in favor of of, of Obamacare in in two thousand nine. I, I think that uh, I think that was meaningful, and I, I think even even more meaningful was them not actively opposing it. Um, and so it's 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 hard to it's hard to say for sure. I mean, and I think and I think something that uh, there are, you know, sort of sort of in the way the the the, the caller is sort of skeptical of uh, of politicians who say they're in favor of single payer but don't seem to, you know, be be kind of talking about it every turn. I, I think there are some people who are skeptical that doctors. Uh, you know, it may be all well and good the doctors say they're in favor of single payer, but if if push comes to shove, and there's actually like a proposal that has a chance of passing, um, and there's you know you and physicians are really staring down you know the potential of uh, of reduced earnings in the future, I think there are some people who are understandably skeptical mm. about whether or not uh, you know that support will will really be there in in the needed way. You know, yeah. it's one thing to sort of put out a press release and say you're in favor of something. It's another thing to really to go vote on it, you know, on it or, it, or work yeah, for it. Yeah, you know, put your shoulder to the wheel. So yeah. I, it's a it's a really interesting question. I, I think the honest answer is we we just don't know at this point. Yeah. Again, Anthony, really appreciate the, the call and the comments. Let's go to Terry in Detroit. Terry, welcome to the program. Hi. Good morning, Stephen and hey. Dr. Marks. Thank you for yet another great program, Stephen. Thank you for the, the good work you do on Detroit Airways every day. Oh, thank you. Um, hey, I just wanted to say the free enterprise system has gotten us what we have, and what we have is the most obsessive, um care in the world, and that care leaves millions of people, tens of millions of people behind. It bankrupts millions of people. Um, I think at some point we got to frame this differently and start talking about um, our, what our values are and what we want to do. We're the richest country ever. We can afford to have a certain level of health care for everyone, but we don't. But we still pay more than everyone. Mm-hmm. So you know, we ought to maybe put our values out in the front 
and and then come up with some solutions that make sense. I think imposing solutions, you know, I've heard a lot of back and forth about single payer. I don't know if it's the right answer or not, but I think we have to start by framing this a little different so that more people can understand. If we spend less of our GDP on health care, we have more money to spend on other things, roads, bridges, water, infrastructure, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, Terry, that's a really, I mean, I think that's a really interesting way to think about this is kind of reframing it and, and talking about priorities. Uh, Dr. Marks, is that some of what's going on in the AMA as well? This, I guess, the re, reassessment of what matters to doctors uh, about about healthcare and access. Yeah, no, I I think I think particularly among younger physicians, there's a you know I I, I think I, I think the AMA uh, sort of you know I I, I I I talked to someone who used to lead the young physicians section, and she told me uh, at the AMA, and she told me that you know in the 70s and 80s, uh, the AMA was really focused on kind of pocketbook issues for doctors. And and I think what she's found and, and certainly what I uh, heard from a lot of uh, younger physicians and medical students who I talked to is, uh, you know, they really are putting, you know, their values front and center. And that was a lot of, you know, why they went into medicine. Um, and, you know, they they really want a the healthcare system they work in to um, you know, hopefully reflect those values, but but at least not kind of like actively stand against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think another sort of piece here that's important is um, uh, in in kind of uh, explain that shift in values is that the president really has become uh, uh, significantly more diverse in the last uh, you know fifty years. And you know, in the in the sort of time of Harry Truman, it it really was the preserve you know almost exclusively of of white men and you know now more than half of um medical students are are women more than half are non-white um you know this is not to say that there aren't still uh diversity problems there there very very much are um you know particularly uh you know they're still still not a representative number of hispanic black or uh native american uh, physicians, but uh, you know, it's it's a it's a market change from what was before, and I think kind of bringing in uh, you know people from communities who weren't represented, you know, um, sort of more first generation doctors. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've seen you've seen kind of different priorities, and and I think that's that's reflected in in, in a lot of what a younger generation of uh, physicians is pushing for here. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones uh, and hear from Ryan in Harrison Township. He's going to have an interesting point of view on this. He is a fourth-year medical student, someone who's about to become a doctor. Ryan, welcome Hi. to the show. Hey, go ahead. Hi, how's it going? Good, hey. how are you? Uh, good. Uh, you know, I just uh, jumped in my car and turned on the show, and I just wanted to, you know, add a few comments. Uh, you know, I think uh, among, uh, you know, my peers and younger medical students, you know, it's uh, something we're excitedly talking about. Um, I just matched on Friday. I'm going into emergency medicine. And, oh, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, but I read this really great book uh, last year. Uh, it's called Medicare for All by uh, Abdul El Saeed. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's a local. And, a good friend um, of I our think, show too. He comes yeah, in quite exactly. a bit. <laughs> and I think um, I think that book does a really good job of kind of explaining kind of the intricacies and the complexities 
uh, of healthcare, and you don't even need to go to medical school to understand it. I think he does a really good job of, uh, of highlighting the high points in his book. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on. So, so Ryan, before I let you go, I, w- I want to give you a chance just to talk about the things that you see uh, as somebody who's studying to, to, to become a doctor uh, and whether, I guess, in your mind, um, you know, we could do better with a single-payer system, the, 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 the level of care that, that you're seeing people be able to get, would it be better? Uh, what, what have you learned so far? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think in, in that respect, you know, uh, we, we spend so much in healthcare, and uh, per, per person, you could actually give, you know, people $10,000 a year, and, you know, everybody in this country. And so um, I think in terms of, of quality of care and just financially, you know, that idea is really attractive, especially because, you know, there's a lot of people, they're spending a third of their take home on health care, mm-hmm. you know, and so... Um, I, I, hopefully that answers your question, but, you know, it, at least that's what I'm seeing. Um, and it's really frustrating, too, you know, when, as you know, as a student, you're on rotations and you have physicians, you know, they prescribe medications and, and, and people can't fill it. Mm. And uh, or, or, you know, they come to the ER because they, 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 they can't afford to go see a doctor. Uh, so that's that's really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, uh Congratulations uh, on, on matching. Uh, I know how big a deal uh, that is, and uh, we hope that uh, you have great success in your future. But I really appreciate your call and uh, and your perspective on this. Uh, Dr. Marks, I'll give you a chance to to follow up or respond to what yeah. uh, Ryan said. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, congratulations to you on, on matching. I didn't matching in emergency medicine. I, I obviously am, am somewhat partial to that. Um, <laughs> uh but no, I, I I think he's I think he's really right. It's it, it's it's a really you know I, I think as as doctors were sort of you know taught we really we really shouldn't be uh, sort of thinking about costs in a way we should we should be uh, thinking about care. Know, yeah, yeah, exactly. We should be you know there's if there's a right treatment we should give that treatment. Um, and you know, I, I think that's sort of like the the ideal. And then you you know get into this medical system where uh, you know you you have patients and they can't afford the treatment that you that you think they should have. And I think it's really uh, it it's really sort of dispiriting and, and disillusioning. Um, and I, I think you sort of, you see it every day. And and I think it it, it really has uh, caused a lot of younger. Uh, doctors or uh, you know um, people who are who are on the cusp of becoming doctors to to really question you know is this it, can this possibly be the best system um, and they're you know and think there there really must be a better way to to provide care than what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Dr. Clifford Marks, emergency medicine resident at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and uh, author of this piece in The New Yorker titled Inside the American Medical Association's Fight Over Single-Payer Healthcare. It was really great to have you here with us uh, to talk about this issue. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really wonderful conversation.
Okay, that is going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to talk with scholar Barb McQuaid, former U.S. attorney here in southeast Michigan, about the latest on Supreme Court confirmation hearings for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.